This is Holding Court with Patrick McEnroe. Now, here's Patrick McEnroe. All right, everyone, time for another edition of Holding Court. Patrick McEnroe here, and one of the things I have missed a lot since uh, this whole global pandemic started, which for us has been about a month now, is going to my our tennis academy at Randall's Island, seeing all of our kids that are out there. We've been doing webinars with them, keeping them busy. But I also miss some of our adults that have uh, seemingly become addicted to tennis too in their own lives. And one of them is my next guest. And of course, you know him from his incredible career as an actor, director, performer in uh, so many, too many movies to mention, but Zoolander is one of them. Uh, Dodgeball, Meet the Parents. He's the one and only Ben Stiller. And I miss seeing you, Ben, out there in the courts at Randall's Island. Let me tell you that. Yeah, I miss you too. I'm telling you that that place is so great. And for me, it, I started right when this all kind of came up. I had gotten into a really great rhythm going there. And then actually I was, I've been bedeviled by injuries my whole playing career. So I actually had to stop a little bit earlier before everybody had to stop. What was the injury you had? I've had so many injuries, Patrick. Since I started playing, which was, I started late in life also. I started like maybe 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I've just had, I had a shoulder uh, for a while that uh, I didn't get operated on, but I ended up getting some treatment for. That was like five years ago. And then I had a chronic ankle issue uh, that actually one of your instructors uh, at the academy, Mark, sent me to a doctor that got it taken care of. Uh, and, and right before all this happened. So, like, I was just getting healthy, and then this happened. Well, I got to tell you, um, I've had the opportunity to uh, see a lot of people play over the years, and obviously I've been playing I've been playing tennis as long as you've been acting because, you know, in studying up on you, I realized that you started when you were six, seven. Of course, both your parents were, were actors and comedians. So you started in your business about the same time I started in my business. I was three years old a little earlier than you. My brother started when he was about nine, hitting against a wall at our club, uh, as both of us did, in Douglaston, Queens. So to see you play now, we're both about the same age, mid-50s, and to, and for you to say you started only about 10 years ago, I have to say pretty impressive the way you play. Just let me give you a little rundown of Ben's game. Kind of, you kind of, you know, you're, I, would call, I would call you explosive, very quick, you know, kind of twitchy, which is good, pretty athletic, and you're a lefty, and you got a little pop on that lefty serve. Now, we can work on the consistency a little bit, but I like the pop you get on that lefty serve. Wow. Wow. Thank you for the analysis. Um, I feel like it's an honor to be analyzed by you. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I, yeah, since I started late, um, you know, the consistency, obviously, is the biggest thing that really, really gets me, because you just want to be able to do when you get it right, and when it's you know when it's feeling right, you just want to be able to do that every time. And I've had a lot of false starts over the last ten years, times when I really went at it and then sort of uh, you know fell out of it for different reasons. Sometimes the injury, sometimes just life. And then you know when you do get back into it, it's one of those things where you know there's no substitute for the muscle memory and the uh, and the repetition. But I have to say, I really get into my head a lot. I think, you know, it's it's such a huge part of the game, as you know, but I can really, like, I don't know if I have 
that winning mentality. And I, I'm not saying that like to disparage myself, but there's that thing when it's not going great where, you know, you hear about the, the great champions who are able to, and just professionals who are able to put it out of their mind, right? You have to put it out of your mind right. and just go forward. And I, I always seem to, I seem to go the other way. Well, listen. <laughs> and it really, it really gets me. Well, I'll tell you what. I, I'm impressed because I have a, a lot of friends now who are a similar age to us that started playing tennis in, in their 40s uh, like you did, and you're 100% right. I mean, to, to, to get those things out of your mind probably means that you would have had to play like I did as a kid and hit, you know, I just used to hit a million balls against a wall. I mean, that's all, that's all I did as a kid. So that muscle memory becomes ingrained in you. So I would imagine that uh, similar, you know, to your world where you, you know, get up and you've got to be funny in front of people or, uh, you know, write like you do and, and create your own, um, your own things that you do in your world. And in tennis, uh, that's why I'm so impressed with guys like you now that are willing to put it out there. Cause I see you battling. I see you get a little nervous when I come behind the court and, you know, you tighten up a little bit. Uh, but I, I watch, I, I watch you sometimes when you don't know what I'm watching and uh, it starts to flow a little bit more, but I, you know, you got to keep at it because that's the great thing about tennis. I think is that it's sort of a solo endeavor. And when you do get it and you do start to feel it, like I've seen you do, it feels pretty good. Yeah, you're right. It's totally a solo endeavor in terms of, I, it almost feels to me like that's when I, I really can, I really feel that battle that goes on between me and my head in terms of, you know, not psyching myself out. Like when you, you know, all of a sudden you're standing there or once I was uh, hitting and, uh, and your brother was there and he was like coaching Milos Raonic and, right. you know, after like, I like, I don't know. I missed one shot, and then he just yells across at me, "Watch the ball!" <laughs> and that really yeah. rattled me for the rest of the session. I had to say, "Well, John, but, uh, yeah, John knows know. John knows how to rattle people. He does that with the kids all the time." <laughs> um, yeah, and I, but you know, it it really is just that thing where you, it's very clear that it's like it's you, and and it's all about where your head is at and your concentration. And um, you know, I think for you know, I do what I do. Uh, professionally, you do what you do professionally, and there's a very different, uh, I think, you know, reality to doing something uh, as a as a hobby or as a sport for fun or for you know relaxation, or even if you take it really seriously and doing it professionally. You know, when people are expecting something from you, watching you, uh, just being watched anyway, you know, doing anything is, uh, you know, it changes the experience. So, you know, that's. Luckily, I can go at it and just, you know, go like, I'm just going to try to have fun. And, and of course, you know, by the end of the session, depending on if it doesn't go well, I will not have had fun. (laughs) (laughs) I'll walk away feeling worse about myself. Well, well, there's a reason. Um, there's a reason why your films over the years have grossed more than 2.6 billion. Ben, so you not only have you done well, you've done well for a lot of other people too. So uh, obviously, that takes a lot of stick tuitiveness. Uh, I can see that in your game. I can see that in your attitude. What was it that got you started in tennis? What got you um, interested to you pick know, it up? Well, you know, when I was a teenager, uh, I grew up in the city of New York, and I had a friend who, who played when we were about 15, 16 years old, and I never really got into it. He'd go to Central Park and play on the courts there, and 
And I thought it was really cool, but my family was not, you know, really a sports family. You know, there are families that, as you know, are just, you know, like it's ingrained at a young age or they all go skiing or they, you know, uh, it, it just sports is a part of the family life. And it wasn't for me. So you were at, com- um, you were at comedy clubs and stuff on the set. We were, yeah. my parents were at comedy clubs, right. nightclubs doing, you know, sitcoms and, uh, and that was actually, that was our whole world. And that was great. That was actually a really fun part of, of growing up. Um, but you know, for me, the sports a- aspect of it was more, I would watch, I was a basketball fan, as a kid, a Knicks fan, you know, I, I didn't really ever go to the U S open. Uh, I'd watch it on TV. I, re- I remember really distinctly that, that Connors comeback that, you know, that year, um, and being into it, but I was never like a super fan. And then, uh, you know, you know, you, you know that really you, you know that Connors beat me in the first round, right? You're you're bringing up a bad, oh, very bad memory for me here. I am so sorry. I, I mean, I had to throw that, that in, but uh, you know, because I've, uh, I've actually talked to a few people, including Brian Koppelman, of course, the co-creator of Billions, amongst right. other things, on my earlier podcast, and he. You know, if, this is a common story, Ben. If, if, let me just give it to you quick. I was up two sets to love. I was up love three, love 40, Connor serving to go up double break. I can remember it like it was yesterday. I thought, oh, I got this match. Connors is done. He's 39. I'm in my prime. I'd made the semis, the Australian Open that year. And, of course, he does this miraculous comeback. This was in the first round. Night match at night at U.S. Open. Huge deal for me being a kid from Queens. You know, I always wanted to do well in my hometown. Connors comes back, beats me in five sets. And then he goes on to make that crazy run to the semifinal. So more people have come up to me, Ben, and said, including um, Alan Bergman, who's another guy I spoke to. He's a great lyricist, uh, songwriter. He's 94. By the way, wait wait till you hear his story, okay, about how he got into tennis. Jewish kid growing up in Brooklyn in the 30s. That's another story. But he says, oh, I was there, Patrick, and I was rooting for you that night. You know how many people have come up to me and said they were rooting? I think even my girlfriend at the time stopped rooting for me midway through the third set. No <laughs> no one was rooting for me. They were all rooting for Connors. But anyway, back to what you, is, please. What does that feel like, though? What does that feel like? doesn't feel good. Story? That's happening. No, it doesn't feel good. It's like a, it's I, like, was, I once yeah. played in a, um, like some sort of celebrity uh, uh, softball game at Yankee Stadium like mm-hmm. 20 years ago, and I was in right field, and they started booing me. I, I didn't even do anything. They just started booing me. <laughs> they didn't like and your latest film or something? Right. Like, yeah, no, it was, I was, you know, I, I was out there and feeling the, the booze, you know, nobody can explain what that feels like if you, if you haven't experienced it. It's like a really, it's like a heavy thing. I, I just think about athletes, and, and usually tennis players don't get booed, but I think about, you know, other athletes that that experience that it really doesn't feel good. Yeah, and teams, I guess it'd be like getting a bad review in your in one of your films, which I know you've gotten. You've oh, gotten yeah. but but then you just laugh all the way to the bank, Ben. You just say here, you know, okay. Or or you can choose not to read the review, but you can't <laughs> right. choose not to hear the booth. Right. right. Um, so, but, anyways, tell me more. Uh, yeah, no, so, tell so me so more about getting into tennis. Yeah. Yeah. She got into it and 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 was into it always, and so she got me watching and. You know, and I got really drawn into it, and especially, you know, uh, I'd say like in the last, yeah, the last like 10 years, you know, the era that we've been living in, it's just been so amazing to watch. And uh, so I, I started to want to pick up a racket and play around, and I have, you know, then you realize when you start to do it, how many friends and that you know, people you know who play, if you ask, you know. Did you ever so, did you ever play while you were on like a movie set? Because I know a lot of actors when they're doing movies, you guys have a lot of downtime and people have their trainers or whatever they do. Did you ever like get into tennis while you were at some weird place on a movie set somewhere? Yeah, 
Um, I, I've taken lessons when I've been on location. Mm-hmm. Um, usually for me, like when I'm working, I'm not that great at doing that kind of stuff. But I, but I have like you know, hit around uh, with a a pro in different places. But really, it kind of came up for me more when I moved back to New York because I lived in LA for about 20 years and about 10 years ago, moved back to New York. And, um, ironically, the whole time I lived in LA, I never, you know, everybody has a tennis court in right. Los Angeles who, you know, in that culture who can, could uh, do that. And I never was into that and never did that. And then came back to New York and moved out to, uh, up to Westchester and was able to, uh, Play on a court, and all of a sudden, it was like the irony. Of course, in New York, that you can on an outdoor court, you can't play for like seven months a year. Right. Um, so, you know, but I started to, to hit in the summer, and um, you know, found a really good pro, and started to, um, you know, started to feel like I was getting somewhere with it. And then the injury would come, mm. and then I'd stop for a while, and then I'd start up again. But for me, you know, once you start feeling that. Um, where you're hitting the ball, you know, through the ball and really getting, you know, just, just hitting that for me, the forehand is, you know, really for me, what I feel is like the shot that I can, um, you know, that I can nail sometimes that feels really good. It's, and I emphasize sometimes. Well, uh, you could crack it. I mean, I've said lefty, you get some, and um, you, you look like, the, you, yeah, you look the, like you yeah. played some, te- you look like you played some other sports. It's a kid. Cause you got that. I mean, was it basketball? Cause you're pretty quick. Yeah, I definitely, I, for basketball, you know, because I don't really have height or leaping ability at all, um, that the, the tenacious defense was always the aspect of my game. And I was always, like, relatively quick, uh, you know, in short sprints. So, you know, I think the lateral movement in, in mm-hmm. tennis is definitely, obviously, a big part of it. But, man, you know, it's also, you, you just realize, like, I, lately I realized how much it's about, you know, staying um, – staying mobile and it always reminds me how I just feel like I get very um even though I can be quick you know you get you get tired so quickly when you really are aware of being you know of of always moving and always trying to stay on you know balls of your feet and staying you know mobile that is exhausting it can be really exhausting well you know um that's what I, I can yeah now, now that I think about sort of, I'm trying to think about who you would remind me of. That's a professional player. Now I know you're a big Rafael Nadal fan, so I want to talk to you a little bit about him in a minute. But actually, it came to me as you were talking because I was trying to, you know, I was looking at your body type and the way you play. Now I'll tell you who you remind me of. He's not left-handed; he's a righty, but he plays that grinding. Um, aggressive baseline game. He's not. He's actually one of the shortest guys on the tour. He's from Argentina. Do you know Diego Schwartzman? I do know Diego Schwartzman. I'm a really big Diego Schwartzman fan recently. Oh, really? So, yeah, he's amazing. Yeah. Well, I, I got, you know, this, even just this year, I actually got to meet him for the first time. And, you know, us guys who are, are short-ish. Okay, so I'm so I'm <laughs> really, on, I'm on you know, to something there. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I met him, and he's like Great guy. my height. I'm like, yeah. oh, my God, this guy. And then watching him play, I mean, I watched him play Rafa last year at the at the Open. Right, it was an amazing match. Uh, I mean, really amazing match, and his consistency and the way he could get up in the air and get the balls, uh, you know, that were sometimes 
you know, over his head, but be able to get up and but be able to hit them by leaping up high and, you know, catching them early. I, I was just amazed by him. And I just love his style and his um, tenacity and, you know, just he's really, really fun to watch. So, yeah, I'm definitely, you know, definitely uh, a fan of it. He's one of those guys, Ben, that if he were if he were six one, six two, he'd be he'd be top five in the world. I mean, because the way he hits the ball, the way he moves. I mean, here's a guy who in the in the modern game, particularly in the men's game, you know, you've got guys they're all over six feet now, getting taller, um, and they're incredibly quick and mobile. I mean, back in the day when I was playing, if you played someone that was six four, six five, or over, you're like, ah, this guy can't move at all. Like, you know, this guy's he, all he's all I got to do is get a serve back. So the game has changed so much. You you were talking about that a little bit earlier. I'd like to get your thoughts on that as well. How you know much you've enjoyed watching these all time greats. But if Schwartzman were taller and had that serve that you know, sort of the average pro has, he'd be right up there because he's unbelievable from the baseline. Yeah, absolutely. And I know even just watching him when he played uh, Rafa, he, you know, they're, and they're friends, but, you know, you could tell that he gave Rafa a run for his money. And, um, you know, this guy, to be to be that size, uh, you have to be, you know, that much better, I'd imagine, just to, you know, be playing at the level he's playing at. Definitely. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's obvious that the, the, the body types now have just changed. And it's interesting to watch how all professional sports, how that's changing, you know, and how it's changed in the NBA too. But uh, it seems like uh, you really do have to have much more uh, size now to play tennis. I mean, um, you know, I, I don't even, uh, you know, when we look at those guys like Sheriff and I mean, that's just, it seems like the baseline now is to be over six feet at least, right? Oh, definitely. I mean, you've got uh, your yeah. guy, your guy Nadal, Federer, Djokovic are all somewhere between. And you throw Murray in there, they're all between six one and six three. Murray's was slightly taller than any of them. Djokovic a little taller than Federer. Um, so that's to me though. That's sort of the that's the that's the best spot to be. I still think if you're yeah, I may be proven wrong by this, Ben, because you've got Del Potro, who is who's who's much taller, six 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 seven. I know you're a big fan of John Isner. He to me, he's almost too right. tall, even though his serve is arguably the greatest of all time. I think being in that range where you can still serve well, but the, you know, remember tennis is all about the movement and the quick movements and the court coverage. So I still think that that six one to six three is ideal. Even Zverev, who's six four six five, sits upon similar. Um, I think Sitsipas is a is a is a better mover overall, but I still think I like the Djokovic Federer size, all other things being equal, because I think their movement and court coverage, not to mention the fact they can stay injury free, I think a little bit easier than the really tall guys. Yeah, I would imagine. I mean, and that injury free thing seems like it's such a, a key to success. And I, I don't I mean I'm amazed and really happy how well uh, you know Rafa has done over the last few years, considering his style of play and how injury prone he's been, that, that he's been able to, uh, you know, be so successful the last few years. It's just, you know, it's kind of amazing. Yeah, I know you've sat uh, in his uh, player box a couple of times at the U.S. Open, so he's he's just a gentleman, isn't he? Just a great, very humble champion. He's such a sweet guy, and I really, you know, we really don't know each other too well, but we over the years, uh, you know, first time we saw him play was uh, we went to Indian Wells and happened to be sitting behind his box and that's when we got to meet the first time and he's such a, a, a warm person he said you know really uh, humble definitely you know you feel that around him and his family is, is it's all about his family and everyone in his family is uh, 
so connected. And I love that. That most about you know who he is. That every time uh, at the U.S. Open, you know, it's always and and every tournament, it's always that core group that he's with. And uh, you you feel that uh, you know it's it's just a very uh, um, human group. And I really like them. Yeah, very. He's very, very loyal to those people around him, and he's always. I mean, every time you see him, uh, I'm just some lowly commentator, you know. And you, I see him at the tournaments or at the Labor Cup, where I've been. The by the way, we were my brother and I are the captain coach of the Labor Cup, which uh, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, takes place is supposed to be in in September in Boston. So we would love to have you come there. And listen, if you ever need anyone, if you know when you're doing your next movie, you're on the set, Ben. I'm I'm available. I'll come out with you. You. I think it'd be great for you to get out there before you work and before you're shooting or if you're directing. I know you do that. You're doing a lot more of that recently. I think yeah. it'd be great for your mind to get out there and do do your tennis in the morning and then uh, go to work. I think you should put that into your uh, your your plan. That sounds good. And honestly, you know, anytime that I have had a chance to get with you a little bit or, you know, just uh, spend time getting tips from from you or your or your brother, you know, it's really exciting because, you know, so few people, I think, have the opportunity to be able to interact with people who you, you know, really look up to in terms of, you know, um, the sport. And it's, uh, you know, it's, I, I never take that for granted. For me, it's like, it's one of the most exciting things uh, to be able to um, connect with people who are, are the best at what they do. And uh, so, I will take you up on that. Uh, sounds good. Well, listen, you are one of the best at what you do, and I promised you that this uh, podcast was going to be about tennis, but I want to just throw in one question about your career, sure. be, just how it relates, if, if it relates to tennis, because I love what you do in your movies. You're just, you're funny. You're, you're on top of it. Meet the Fockers. I mean, one of the greatest, something about Mary. Uh, I mean, these are classics, uh, dodgeball. So you've, you've, you've run the gamut, but is there anything about you, what you see, what you've learned in tennis that you can compare or use in your, you know, amazing career that you've had for, like 40 something years. Um, you know, I think it's, I, I, that's an interesting question. I think it's that thing that comes down to when it's just, when it's just you at the end of the day, um, you know, tennis is about besides, you know, not getting in your own way. It's so much about like, like your brother said, watching the ball. Right. And, uh, I think when you see great actors working, uh, for me as an audience, when I see people um, connecting and uh, on screen or in a play or comedically even in improvisation, it's so much about reacting and, and mm. uh, listening and watching the person who you're in the scene with. And I think that's, you know, that concentration that you have to have when you're in a scene with somebody, you know, just to be there and actually be listening to them uh, and, and be reacting is, I think something that really relates to tennis because when you're in it and you're just connecting with that, you know, that back and forth and with the ball, or you're thinking about what the other person's doing and, you know, and hopefully anticipating it, which I have not gotten to yet at all in my game. But when, you know, you're that connected, that's a very similar yeah. thing, I think, to when something's working in a scene. 
uh, when you're uh, when you're acting. I guess I guess it's sort of like you know, as an actor and a performer, and all the stand up you've done and the improv. It's like all those years and all the practice. It's like it's like us hitting against the wall. You know, all those years. I can remember imagining. I used to play imaginary matches between Laver and Rosewall, and they'd always go five sets, and Laver would always win six four in the fifth. But it was like I was visualizing it. So when you get to that point, when you get to that scene, like you're talking about, you can you're actually you're so confident and you've seen it so many times before that you can actually react to what's happening as opposed to saying i've got to do this i've got to you don't know what you're going to do and that's i think when what you're talking about that comparison between okay what's my opponent going to do what's my fellow actor going to do and they're going to maybe throw something at me that i wasn't expected expecting but now it's sort of how you respond to that that makes it so good when you really nail it yeah, I think if you can, it's a really good point. If you can let it go and you get to the point where you're not thinking about it, and it's just happening. That's always, you know, when, when it's the best. And that's uh, sometimes, you know, that's, that's something you've worked towards. Yeah. For years and years and years. And sometimes you have good days and sometimes you have bad days. But when that's happening, that's when you're in it for sure. Well, Ben, listen, I so appreciate you uh, doing this and coming on. I wish you all the best as we uh, all ride this thing out together. And I'm hoping when we come back, you'll be healthy, number one. Uh, we'll all be healthy. And that uh, I see you back out on those tennis courts in addition to keeping up the great uh, career that you've made for yourself over these years. Thanks, Ben. I can't wait to get back there. And, and yeah, you get healthy, too. And uh, I'm, I'm glad to hear you're doing good. And I uh, can't wait to see you back there on the court. All right, the great Ben Stiller, everyone, joining me here on Holding Court. Thank you so much. Holding Court with Patrick McEnroe is powered by Mudhouse Media. Mudhouse Media.